Hello, and welcome to another episode of Health Affairs This Week, the podcast where health affairs editors discuss the health policy news and developments of the week. I'm Chris Fleming. And I'm Ellen Bayer. Well, Chris, this week, what I've noticed a lot in the headlines uh, is uh, news about spending and budgets, um, with gas prices creeping up over $4 a gallon, and there's a lot of continuing concern about inflation. And also this week, President Biden's budget came out with some big proposed funding increases in healthcare, with some notable proposed spending increases for pandemic preparedness and public health infrastructure and mental health. And the big news at Health Affairs this week is release of a really important paper online and ahead of print. It'll be in the April issue coming out next week. It's a paper that generally comes out every year from the CMS Office of the Actuary, and it's official government projections for national health expenditures in the coming decade. And this paper is by John Poisall and colleagues at uh, the CMS Office of the Actuary. And these reports are really considered the gold standard when it comes to describing health spending in this country. These projections are important because they're widely used by researchers and health economists and policymakers to understand where we are uh, in health spending and where we're likely to go, what is likely to be the major drivers of that spending in the absence of major health policy changes at the federal level. So we can think of these projections as providing kind of a baseline and really important context uh, for considering major health policy proposals in the coming years. Now, it's notable that this report didn't come out last year uh, because at that point in the pandemic, there was just so much uncertainty that the government didn't feel that it could make reliable projections on health spending. Right. So uh, as a result of that, these numbers uh, have been um, e- perhaps even more eagerly awaited than is usual with these papers uh, because they're the first po- post-COVID projections that have come out uh, in terms of health spending. So people were really waiting for these with bated breath. And uh, what we saw when it came to health spending, uh, pretty much as is true of every other part of our life, uh, COVID injected a big shock into the system. Uh, and that shock uh, took the form in, in terms of 2020 health spending, huge jump uh, in the growth of health spending. Uh, so between 2018 and 2019, uh, health spending growth went up a little over 4%, 4.3%. Uh, between 2019 and 2020, it more than doubled. It jumped all the way up to almost 10%, 9.7%. Uh, and that kind of like doubling is is just unheard of when it comes to these year-to-year changes in health spending growth. Now, uh, one thing that's really important to note here, this huge jump in spending uh, spending growth was not because people were consuming more health care. In fact, exactly the opposite was true. Healthcare utilization went down in 2020, as many people, as I'm sure listeners will remember all too well, uh, avoided care out of fear of contracting COVID. So what was driving this huge increase uh, in health spending growth was this massive influx of COVID-related government spending on things like the paycheck protection loans, relief funds paid out to healthcare providers, vaccines, and other pandemic-related spending. Uh, so now... Uh, Reflecting that, Poisel and co-author's paper notes that the share uh, of uh, health spending accounted for by governments hit an all-time high in 2020. It was 51% of spending in 2020 uh, that was uh, accounted for by governments. Right. And it's also important to note, the same time we have this massive increase in health spending growth in 2020, the rest of the economy basically was in a free fall. So that health spending 
accounted for almost 20%, uh, 19.7% exactly, of the overall economy or the gross domestic product. Um, And this is a level that government actuaries had thought we wouldn't see until 2028. But again, as you said, Chris, this was an artificial increase over the pre-pandemic level in 2019. So what the actuaries say, uh, what we see in these projections uh, for the years after 2020 is fortunately these huge increases in spending growth and health spending as a share of GDP in 2020 are not projected to become the new normal. Instead, is government spending for the provider relief fund, for the PPP loans and other pandemic related emergency spending is used up, national health spending growth and health spending as a share of GDP are expected to gradually return to sort of regularly scheduled programming and be driven by the usual factors that affect health spending like demographic trends and utilization and pricing. Uh, What uh, the CMS economists project is that after hitting almost 10% in 2020, health spending growth would then slow down to about 4.2% in 2021, very close to the pre-pandemic level of 2019, and then sort of gradually march up again slowly by fractions of a percentage point uh, in the following years to reach a little over 5% in 2030, about 5.3%. Picking up on that, I think what we see is, uh, you know, after this this blip of 2020, uh, you've got a period where uh, GDP grows a, a little quicker than house spending, uh, so that you've got the the share of GDP accounted for by house spending declining a little bit uh, from the almost 20% uh, in 2020 uh, down to about, uh, just over 18% in 2024. Uh, and even beyond that, uh, George Miller and his colleagues wrote a piece, uh, one of two pieces in health affairs forefront, uh, talking about the projections. The other one, uh, we'll talk about a little later by Mike Chernu, uh, and, uh, Miller and his colleagues noted that, uh, even in the longer term, uh, there may be some, some real changes that come about, uh, in terms of house spending as a result of the pandemic, uh, notably, the they point out that there uh, might be an a acceleration of the trend away from care and institutionalized settings like hospitals and nursing homes, uh, and that you know could have some uh, moderating effect on uh, house spending. But it's important to caution here that uh, that effect is is not all that huge. Uh, and in the latter part of this projection period, you know, from 2025 out through 2028. Uh, the house spending, as Ellen pointed out, is going to continue. Uh, it's you know previously scheduled upward march, uh, so that we uh, still get to 2020. According to Miller, uh, we still get to the 20 percent of GDP that originally the actuaries had thought we'd hit in 2028. We just do it by 202030. That's just a couple years delay. Uh, and in 2030, we hit that milestone the old-fashioned way through actual house spending, utilization, prices, et cetera, uh, rather than the artificial way we hit it in 2020. Uh, now, what that means in turn is that at the end of the day, we've still got all of the familiar problems that we've always talked about when it comes to house spending, taking ever greater portions of our wealth, crowding out other investments from education and defense. Uh, and that means uh, the policy choices that we make, how we respond to these projections Uh, and these issues that house spending raises, that means that those choices are going to be crucial. And besides looking at the big picture trends in terms of health spending growth and health spending as a share of GDP, it's also important to kind of look at what's under the hood and driving this kind of growth. And in his forefront piece about the projections, Mike Chernu 
comments on the fact that a lot of the spending growth is expected to be driven by Medicare. And Medicare spending is projected to grow about 6.8% a year between 2025 and 2030, compared to 5.6% for Medicaid and 4.8% for commercial insurance spending growth. This is due largely to projected increases in Medicare enrollment and technology changes and also medical practice changes that lead to more intensive treatments. So in thinking about what kind of options might be considered in the future to moderate Medicare spending, Chernu points to things like possible cuts in payments to Medicare Advantage plans, and also to kind of further evolution of efforts to use alternative payment models that uh, attempt to shift incentives for healthcare providers away from providing more volume instead to um, encourage, incentivize evidence-based care that, that you know, provides uh, value. So we could have a whole other episode, probably a whole season on each of those topics. And we haven't even touched on uh, projections or policy options for the future in terms of Medicaid and commercial uh, spending. So you can find plenty of articles in Health Affairs Journal and on Forefront to do a deeper dive on those issues. And one of the things, uh, Ellen, that intrigued me as I listened to you talk about Medicare uh, was uh, the kind of solutions you were talking about, about Medicare Advantage, about the alternative payment models. because Medicare prices, one of the things I think that Mike Chernow pointed out, because Medicare prices uh, are, are already uh, pretty low for doctors and hospitals, and some people think they may even be unsustainable and may have to rise, uh, there's not a lot of room to, to cut reimbursement as a way of controlling spending in that area. Uh, you know, you're going to have to look to things like uh, making care more cost effective through, you know, the alternative payment models, for instance. Uh, so that's a really interesting area to watch, as you say. Uh, now, another area that we really haven't talked about, but I think is important, it's a uh, very much related to the issue of health spending, and that's the issue of equity. Uh, because when you look at health spending, obviously the the quantity is important. What's the total? But how it's allocated is also very important. Of course, one of the things that the pandemic exposed was uh, there are these tremendous disparities, not only in health care, uh, but in, in sort of health broadly defined, which pretty much covers everything. We talk about the social determinants of health and education and uh, you know who had to go to work versus who could work from home, where people live, do they, do they have food, access to, to food, uh, to recreation, all of those things. Uh, as well as healthcare itself, are, are tremendously inequitably uh, distributed. So as we move forward and try to respond on the policy terrain uh, to health spending, it's important that we just that we not just watch that that bottom number, like how much are we spending, but we make sure that we spend in a way that's going to reduce those disparities and help out folks that are on the wrong side of those inequities. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more, Chris. And there's so much more to be said in all of this, um, but and we're running out of time. So, but before we wrap up, I just want to uh, make the point that you know these these projections they you know they're produced of course with a great deal of care and uh, precision by some of the most preeminent economists and actuaries in the country. Um, but at the end of the day, they they are projections, and so by definition, they're produced with a lot of uncertainty about the future, and so even though the projections suggest kind of a gradual return to a pre-pandemic normal in terms of health spending growth and health spending as a share of the total economy, we just need to keep in mind, and as the CMS um, economists say in their paper, only time will tell just how normal the next decade will be. 
<laughs> yeah, one of my, as one of my friends uh, used to work at CBO said that uh, when they would do their projections, they they thought that the the only issue was how exactly they were going to turn out to be wrong. But uh, uh, these uh, uh, these projections, as as you said uh, at the beginning, are the gold standard, and uh, uh, we'll watch uh, uh, with with interest, and we'll uh, they'll next we'll see what next year's uh, installments bring. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, thanks to all our listeners. Uh, be sure to subscribe whatever wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week, and thanks, Alan. Thanks so much, Chris. 